Over the years, I've built up quite a big record collection of the people I like. I've been, and um, one of the artists that I really have enjoyed and is among my collection is with us on the show tonight. We're so glad she could be with us. Let's make welcome Odetta. Come here. If you want. Somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now. Welcome to episode 17 of the Wiki Genome Project, the podcast about everything Star Wars that isn't Star Wars, but also with some Star Wars. I'm Diamond Rob Russo, the PTA president of West Dorkwood Elementary, and with me today is... Hey, this is Katie, Katie again. Sorry, I saw your intro. Oh, no, no, no. I was, <laughs> I, I was thinking, like, you know what? Maybe I should do, like, the... the You know, you, like, listen to, like, NPR or something. They never force the guests to introduce themselves. But on podcasts, that's, like, normal because you want people to identify your voice. But oh, I guess, like, if there's only two of us, it shouldn't be too hard yeah. to tell us apart. Anyway, <laughs> sometimes on the show, we explore the pop culture DNA of Star Wars films, such as the old adventure serials, cowboy films, comic books, and pulp fiction that shaped the saga we know and love today. At other times, such as this time, we dig a little bit deeper into the ways our favorite space opera has influenced and been influenced by our culture. And like I said, this episode is one of the latter. We're going to be talking about something that we've both noticed kind of creeping into the fan conversation around Star Wars, particularly since the release of The Last Jedi. Um, I'd say almost entirely afterward, uh, which is the question of whether Luke Skywalker is a pacifist. Um, now, I said we noticed this, but I'm not 100% sure that maybe it's just something I noticed and then everybody else just has always been talking about it this way. What did... Um, no, the conversation has definitely come back up with the, um, not my Luke conversation. I think a lot of people, I mean, what's what's interesting is that Luke initially in Return of the Jedi was created in, I mean, if you want, I guess created, I don't know if I want to say the word created, like this wasn't his only goal, but he was used as a subversion to your typical action hero who, you know, came out gunslinging to kill the quote unquote bad guy, right? So, um... You know, Luke was meant to be the character who threw his weapon down and said, I'm not going to fight you. And that's, there's been some word on Twitter that I've seen and that's been completely misinterpreted and people aren't seeing it that way. Uh, and, and frankly, I, I don't really know what movie people are watching if you don't see it that way. But the fact when Luke comes out at the end and there's no big, you know, lightsabers blazing battle where he's, you know, killing a hundred people or whatever people envisioned i i it, people are saying well why did you ever expect that that's never been his character and you know it spiraled into a conversation of just um things that really make no sense in the canon yet somehow we're having this conversation anyway 
Well, I mean, what, what would you say makes no sense? Like, can you... The the fact that people think that he's anything but a character, and, and I know we're going to get into the pacifism, and that in itself, I think, is an interesting debate, and frankly, I don't exactly know where I sit on it, and, and we'll get into that, but just this idea that he's more like a traditional hero who's ready to kill the bad guy, and that's what he's, you know, sent out to do, and I know, like, he has that kick-ass action scene at Jabba's Palace, I guess, but, you know, he's never really there to... You know, he doesn't slay the Emperor and then, you know, go and kill Vader, right? Like, I don't know what people were expecting from The Last Jedi when you have this character who's literally known for throwing his lightsaber away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I think it's, I think that is one, yeah, I mean, that's a criticism, I guess. I don't see this as often as other things because I think it's harder for the critics to articulate. But there is, like, an element of the fandom that seems to think that, the way that like the last battle and the last Jedi is lame or something or not lame, but I don't want to like characterize their opinions as if I, I don't want to speak for them, but I think that what they are, their feeling is that it's not as cool as it would be to see him literally fighting people. And, and people I think were put off um, <clears throat> kind of early on in the movie when he first starts talking to Ray and he's doing his whole thing about how I, you know, what do you expect me to do? Like go out there and like, you know, wave a sword around and face down the entire first order myself. And there is a contingent of star Wars fans out there that probably that's exactly what they expected and wanted. Sure. And, um, I don't know whether there's, and, and I, I do think that in another day and age, like if this were, uh, George Lucas's, uh, episode eight, which we don't know what that would have been, but if, if he were, writing it and directing it, I guarantee you Luke would have done something pretty similar to that. Oh, I disagree. Um, oh, wait, similar I, to The Last Jedi or similar to actually well, getting in there? Well, I don't, I don't think he, I think he would not have, um, I, I don't think that, well, we'll get into this, but I mean, my, my suspicion is that, my, my, my feeling is that that's, that's why people expected it is because in my, now I'm not, again, I don't want to speak for everybody, but in my personal experience, just the few people I, have run into that I know how old they are that don't like the last Jedi. They're always like much younger than me. They're probably like more around your age and which is not all young, younger people, but um, it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like all the mega haters are young, but it seems to be like just maybe I'm totally wrong about this, but they seem to be people who grew up kind of in the 21st century. Interesting. See, I have the opposite. Like, I, more people who I know who grew up with the OT, like, more or less in real time, quote unquote, um, I know more people of that demographic who did not like TLJ. I mean, I'm sure it's a cross. Huh. It's, it must be. Maybe I mean, it's, it's just Star like Wars, we right? kind of. I mean, it's, the demo's huge. It's really tough to, yeah. like, put a pulse on different segments um, because it is so massive. So, I, I mean, that makes sense. I, I'm guessing we're just both right. <laughs> yeah, it's. Well, I mean, if, if we're both right, then I'm definitely wrong, but, um, that is, so that's, that was my theory, but I, I might have to reevaluate that. My, my feeling was like the, the prequel trilogy was really action packed, like in like action, like some, some crazy thing was going to happen every 20 minutes, no matter what, sometimes every 10 minutes, you know, like it would just like, you look at revenge of the Sith, which had all these things that it had to get through stuff that was kind of put off and put off and put off. And now we have to do it. You've got to solve all these problems. And there's still like time for like Obi-Wan Kenobi to fight on top of a giant iguana 
against the guy on like a motor unicycle thing like that. And that is like 10 minutes long <laughs> that fight or something like that. You know, like I do think people expect that on some people do cause they really liked it. And they're, they're kind of felt like, well, this is not as cool as I, I wanted to see Luke do something like they'd always imagine, like, wouldn't it be cool if they had like the technology back in the day in the eighties and they could have had Luke Skywalker do all this stuff, like be doing like, super flips and cartwheels in the air and like spinning his sword around like uh like a pinwheel and all that and they really imagine like that must be what he's like now now that he's like a master i think that's and they just didn't get that yeah i mean i i don't know how many people like dragged expectations from what they saw in the prequels to the st i think like one criticism which i understand like if you're like i had to reevaluate last jedi from more of a lens of that I put on when watching like really in-depth character indie films. And I know they warned us. I mean, several of the cast members said like, yeah, it was like shooting an indie film. And I mean, people who like, know, like Oscar Isaac, who knows what it's like to shoot an indie film. Right. right. So, you know, I, I didn't really take that to heart until the third time I was watching it. And because the first time it, it did throw me for a loop because it is so deeply character driven that I think a lot of the deeper plot points I don't want to say go over people's heads like they don't, you know, have the intelligence to comprehend it, but just simply that that's just not what they wanted out of Star Wars. And that's fair. Um, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, and to and just like, I don't think it would be unusual or weird or wrong for somebody to say like, well, this just isn't like well, the movies I grew up with were not like this. Sure. And because that's exactly how I felt when I, I mean, I've kind of kind of come to terms with the prequel trilogy on my own. And like, I see like, they're never going to be my favorites, but I don't, um, they don't, I don't allow them to, to get on my nerves anymore is a lot easier now that they're not the only star Wars I was going to get. But I mean, I remember at, after seeing episode three, I was just broken because I'm like, this is what they did. This is what he did. Okay. He did all, all the stuff that I wanted to see. He did. But the reason why my expectations were different and the reason why I probably couldn't appreciate them the way that uh, other people could is be, is exactly because I came into it expecting movies like the ones I grew up with, which is they were like slower paced sure. and, and a little bit less, I mean, they were really flashy for the time, but they weren't, you know, there's no iguana fights and things like that. Anyway, the, the point, the point is, is like for whatever reason, maybe that's not the reason, but there's a lot of people, even people who like the last Jedi sometimes end up saying that they kind of wish they would have seen Luke do some more like traditional, like violence man stuff. And, uh, at the end, uh, and it really showed up and I got to admit, like a part of my issue is not so much that I wanted to see Luke, like be like a stupendous badass or anything. But I remember like after the first time I saw it, I just kind of like the fact that he wasn't really there felt like sort of, uh, it was cool, but it was kind of like, ah, but then they, like, if he wasn't really there, like maybe it's like, it's not really the same as him being there in the flesh. And, but then I'm like, wait a second, he's not really a real person. It's just a movie. And like, it doesn't really make any difference. You still saw what you saw, but I don't know. It doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, but I remember feeling like it was just one of the many weird things that happens in the movie where you're like, Oh, that's not what I was expecting. And it did throw me off guard. Like I, figured out that something was up as soon as he showed up and he looked different. But, uh, so I was like, Oh, something's not right here. Like this is, but yeah, I mean, anyway, the point is, is like, but the, you know, people defending this scene have gone so far as they're not so like, but the defense I always see is like, well, he did something that was totally cool and new. And that's true. And, and yeah, very pacifist, which is the way he is. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Cause this is, we, what, what do you think people mean by that? 
or what do you mean by that? If that's, if that's how you look at it. So I think this is tough, right? Because I think I very firmly stand by in Star Wars. We've only seen, at least in the current canon, we've only seen one pacifist and it was Satine from the Clone Wars. And Mm. she, and that's just for people who are like me and barely know the Clone Wars. She's the queen of Mandalore. Duchess of Mandalore. Yeah. So, okay, well, it, all right. <laughs> so she ruled over Mandalore before the the big insurgency and everything. So she was very much no, we're not going to launch into any battle with anybody. Um, and then Maul comes in and and kills her. Spoiler alert! Sorry, I should have said that beforehand. Um, so, but her death is one of the more symbolic deaths in Star Wars because it it, it very much. So she she and Obi Wan go back and forth and. Um, Actually, maybe I'll just launch into this now. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I was rewatching an episode called The Mandalore Plot, which is when we first see Satine in the Clone Wars. And so, Obi Wan and her have, they've met before. So, they forgot kind of a history, right? Yeah. They, they met before on a mission with, uh, with Qui Gon. And, um, I, I'm guessing, honestly, this is going to show up in the Claudia Gray book, but we'll see. I hope so. Fingers crossed. But mm-hmm. so, their dynamic is very interesting because Obi Wan comes from, the position of a Jedi who is a peacekeeper, but they, and Luke points this out and um, in the last Jedi that the Jedi don't really stick to true pacifism. So she calls him out on that. Okay. So let me just back up Mm -hmm. here. Like when you say Luke points that out, what does he say? In terms of, um, well, okay. This was your idea on discord. So I'm not going to steal your thunder here because this one was yours. This, uh, with, um, I'm just curious what do cause I like, I haven't gotten to the point where I've watched it enough times where I can like recite it from memory yet. And I don't remember what he says. Well, you know he funny? says, if you look back at the legacy of the Jedi, their legacy is failure. So you look at their deeds, you see their legacy is failure. And then he says they and they list the things that they did wrong. And he says, they basically, he says they let the emperor take over right under their nose and, and they, they're, they aren't, they weren't destroyed by the empire. They allowed the empire to come into being as they were being destroyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, they, they destroyed themselves essentially is what he's accusing. They didn't do their job. Their job was to be the guardians of peace and justice in the older public. They've done it for over a thousand generations and they kind of, they had one job and they blew it, I think is what he says essentially. So that's my, that's, that's the thing is like, I, I never could wrap my brain around how that could be he could be calling them out for not being pacifists i don't think he's he's trying to tread on the pacifist waters per se but he's not necessarily so i think this is an example of like he goes to this island right and he's reading all this history and it's an example of how history travels through time because what he says is a little different than than what we see because we've like seen history happen per se right throughout the prequels and the clone wars because we have that to watch you know he's only reading it right from from what he's or, obtained through whatever's on that island. Or for all, so, all we know that there's no written it, record which, at all. But I don't want to, I shouldn't have stepped on your toes, right? There's an issue with what, what you're talking about. Uh, the Clone Wars with Satine and, and Obi-Wan. Yeah, so they're having a conversation about what pacifism means. Um, and what's really interesting about this episode is that, so the Clone Wars always has these like quotes in the beginning that, that tell or foreshadow what's going to happen in the episode. And the quote on this episode, so again, this is the Mandalore plot, is um, if you ignore the past, you jeopardize the future, 
which is something that's a major theme of The Last Jedi. And I'm not saying, oh my god, it's definitely connected, but I do find it really interesting because there are a lot of themes in this episode which do show up in The Last Jedi, and this isn't the first time that people have, have looked at the Clone Wars and said, huh, they definitely put that in The Last Jedi. Uh, the Mortis arc is another big one that a lot of people have broken down. Um, Ryan Johnson was pretty close, to my knowledge, with Dave Filoni during the whole writing process, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, so um, yeah, so they're talking about what exactly a peacekeeper means, and so Obi-Wan's definition is a peacekeeper belongs on the front line of conflict, otherwise he wouldn't be able to do his job. Um, and Satine says the work of a peacekeeper is to make sure that conflict does not arise. So, in and again, and I, I side with Satine as the only true pacifist of Star Wars. It doesn't mean that other characters don't exhibit parts of the pacifist. Yeah, uh, so of the ideology. We gotta, we gotta define this word. This is where I think a lot of like when I when I have kind of debated this issue with, with certain people on Twitter, like the not debated, but like talked about it. I feel like there's, there's always like a issue with death with, you know, the predicate issue is, is what is pacifism? And like, to me, I'm taking like the dictionary definition of pacifism, which is the opposition to war or violence as means of settling disputes, right? It's the, it's the belief that war and violence are always unjustifiable and that all disputes should be settled by peaceful means, no matter what. That means that if, uh, you know, your country is invaded, you don't fight back. That means like, now this does not necessarily equate to personal, uh, nonviolence, meaning like interpersonal violence. It seems that anybody who morally, morally objects to war under any circumstances would logically object to interpersonal violence mm -hmm. under any circumstances, but I don't think it's necessarily so. For instance, one might believe that interpersonal violence, is like morally justifiable under certain circumstances. For example, when some other person depends on you for their personal safety, like a child or uh, an old person or something like that. Um, but they object to government sanctioned violence as like maybe an affront to some kind of higher spiritual or moral code. Um, you could also look at it the other way where you feel like uh, as a government action, war can be justified, but interpersonal violence is, is always wrong. And that's another way of looking at it because you're saying like, well, the war is like the, is an act of the state. It's like everybody has, you know, like in a democracy, like the country agrees to go to war, at least ostensibly that's how it works. And you're, you're complicit in that no matter what. And you've got to like, that's okay because it's not just like, kind of like the way that like you can justify like that the death penalty is not per se murder. It is homicide, but it's not murder because it's not um, a person killing another person for the it's, the, it's the state doing it. And the state is not held to the same standard. I don't know. Like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really go into Star Wars, but there's different ways of looking at it. But the basic idea of pacifism, I, I always thought was like, no, like you turn the other cheek. Like, that means that if, if you, it, it's like you believe that, and that is, I've, I've seen those episodes of the Clone Wars. And that is, I think what Satine is saying is like, it's never okay yeah. to, to be violent. Which There's is never why a good she reason. dies. Yeah. Right. So like she, is there a point? I didn't see the, the moment where she dies, but um, when she's killed, does she have an opportunity to fight back and doesn't take it? Um, no, it's pretty, it's pretty definitive. Um, but up to that point, she's not really willing to fight back. Um, again, just because it, it she's 
really consistent up to the very end. Um, and, and her death is so much more this, it, I, you know, as we're entering the era of what will become, you know, the Sith and the Empire and, and the, the control of, you know, the dark side. Um, she's very much a, a, a symbol of why what the Jedi are truly supposed to do does not work. Because, you know, people can say one thing um, and, and they can have all these these laws and all these, you know, doctrines of what they're supposed to do. And then they don't, you know, people don't usually follow it, right? And, and we see this with the Jedi pretty much to a T where they have this idea of being a peacekeeper. But one, everybody has some drive somewhere as much as they try to be completely selfless and, and understanding of, of the force. You know, there are selfish you know, means that go into this. We see this more with, with Yoda and with, um, uh, my God, why can't I remember his name? Well, they all, I mean, they're all kind of like disappeared up their own buttholes. Like Exactly. It's, yeah. And it, it's, and they all think it's for this good cause, but at the end of the day, and, uh, the Jedi are so, what is the cause? Yeah. I mean, it's I not even clear what they're fighting f- over. Like, I don't, yeah. I know that the, the, the cartoons kind of allude to that the war is about something, and it's kind of about like corruption within the Republic, but not, you don't really see that examples of that. Well, I think and, everybody is, is out for a, a little bit of a different motive, right? I, I think, you know, Qui-Gon was kind of ostracized by the council council because he had one way of going about it and Yoda had another way. And, you know, and Obi-Wan. His, his was, thing was, now remind me what his thing was. He thought that the Jedi should get involved, meaning that they should, uh, break the blockade of that planet. Oh man, I forget. I haven't watched Phantom of the Zero It's so like the <laughs> distinction between what each and, and the rest of them are like, no, we are like the cops and they didn't send in the cops yet. Like, so it's the government has to decide when we can act and if when we're not going to act if the government hasn't decided it. It's kind of like, like what, so what Qui-Gon is saying is kind of like if, a, you know, like there's a, high ranking general in the air force. He's like, I think we should bomb the snot out of, uh, out of uh, Syria, right? They're doing bad stuff. Let's just bomb them. And they're like, no. And he's like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over there and like launch some private bombing missions. <laughs> it's like, that would be insane. So like, but on the other hand, like it's a movie and it's about like adventures and stuff. And you want to see people acting heroic, which mm-hmm. it, you don't necessarily want it to be like real life. And then you've also got the issue of why is a religious order the only like peacekeeping force in the galaxy? Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's, there's no factions really built up around that. I mean, I mean, different, you know, states have their own governments. And then in this case, uh, well, I guess it's an opposing side. So, yeah, I mean, anyway, I think what we're, what we're getting at here is it's not clear what, there's different ways of looking at what the Jedi did wrong in the prequels and in the cartoon. Um, but one way of looking at it is that they were allowed themselves to be co-opted by the state, maybe. Oh, that's interesting. I never looked at it that way. Now I have to go back. Well, and no, you don't. Um, that's okay. Uh, the no, not for this. Just in general. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna back. <laughs> but like, what? Do, I mean, so what do you think they did wrong? So I am like not a big Jedi supporter. <laughs> I but I don't think it was all of them. I don't think Obi Wan did anything wrong. I don't, I tend to side with Qui-Gon. I just 
I don't think Yoda had the right perspective on how to handle the situation of quote unquote, the chosen one. And I, I get his reasoning for not trusting Anakin. I think it makes sense, but it's like that idea of, you know, well, this way has always worked. And this is the way we always believed in, you know, how to, how to run our show and we're not going to change it now. And this is wrong. And, you know, that, that, that stalwart way of looking at your, your beliefs and, and, and your strategy. Mm. And, uh, you know, at the end, like one thing that, that made me a little upset about The Last Jedi, and again, I think it's just because, um, you know, Luke was reading through text and he wasn't actually there. So it, it just, it, it's kind of this commentary on how history can get a little twisted or how people can have different interpretations of history, which is interesting. But, um, you know, he basically blames um, Obi-Wan. Well, he says it was a Jedi Anakin. master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that he's talk- he could be talking about any uh, Jedi master. I mean, That's but then again, true. he's also, he, I think he's, he's talking about what Obi-Wan. he was told is by the ghost of Ben Kenobi, right? Which is that I thought I could do as true. good a job training your father as Yoda and I was wrong. And when you, that's not right. actually what happens at all. And that's, that's a problem true. with the fact that they didn't, you know, Uncle George did not bother to like make that sync up. Like that was a perfectly good story. I don't know why they didn't. He didn't use it. Um, my guess is because he found Yoda's character more interesting to be. I mean, Yoda's character, honestly, I don't want to call him a villain because he's not. He's not a villain, but he is often on the opposing side. I mean, you could look at him as this, you know that the wise sage of the prequels. I don't. I don't think so. But I'm also. I, I think this conversation depends on the age. Of the person you're talking mm-hmm. to, it usually younger people I talk to aren't really a big fan of Yoda, but like older people tend to understand him more. So maybe that's just that. Um, I honestly, I've never exactly pinpointed what it was about Yoda, but I, I do think it was just this more, you know, conservative, for lack of a better word, mentality that that kept him from really working through this situation I, it just it seems like a, a total lack of foresight on his part and it's not just him i mean it's, it's, the, it's the council in general right like now do you think that their downfall is attributed well you know we can get into that that's an, kind of a separate issue anyway it's not really clear i think i think the, at the end of the day we just got to say like it's not really clear what what the like there's a lot of things that were wrong with the jedi it's not clear that we know what their error was actually like there's no, no single definitive error that they well, made I, I think what's so interesting is that they want, I, I think it's a clash of ideologies, right? Like they want to protect people, but they don't want anybody to be attached to one person. They want to keep the peace, but they're not against violence. Or they, they just, they never really. But they, they are in the, in, in, in the Phantom Menace. They're like, we're not, we're not like, what's like, we're keepers of the peace. We're not, uh, soldiers or something like that right and they're saying like qui-gon should not get involved yeah. it's none of their concern but they don't keep that i mean that's why I, I love this discussion in the clone wars because it really does lay out how much the jedi are getting into these violent conflicts as they feel the threat that's rising around them because of you know what palpatine's orchestrating um and in this idea that keeping the peace is being on the front lines versus preventing the conflict to begin with which the jedi i got to wonder like what were they supposed to do though were they supposed to like arrest palpatine and then what happens does he well, get tried know, right? well let's say like let's say they like were capable of saying like hey there's a giant army of s- slave clones 
that we don't know who made it or who paid for it, but it's really expensive. And now there's a huge war. And then the, this, uh, creepy old evil looking guy is saying like, I think you guys should use this army that we don't know anything about and go fight this war that we haven't explained to you what it's about. And they're like, okay. Whereas to me, like their mistake was right there. They should have gone like, wait a second. How about we back up a minute and just not utilize the, the mystery slave army. Number one, cause they're slaves and that's wrong. Um, but number two, because you don't know who bought them, paid for them, right? Tra- what, for what purpose? And they just happen to be ready when there's like a big problem in the galaxy. Like, like that's kind of like, what's the point of being like space monks? If you can't like sit on this for a couple of days and think about it. Like, Yeah. I had two interpretations of that. And, and it was mostly that if they thought that this army could do the fighting for them, then they wouldn't have to break their ideology while also solving the problem. And again, it goes back to that. That's that the selfish motives that while they will justify it by doing the right thing, and I, I'm sure half of them believes it because I don't think inherently that they're, you know, bad characters. But you, it, it, they're very realistic in, in the sense of how bureaucracies work, right? Like, and, and how political they get, even if you're trying to keep to, to one viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, I it seems to me like they just do what they're told, and that's about it. And then, But they also, like, for some reason, they, like, escalate the war by going in to save uh, – to people who were snooping around where they had no business. Like that's, they should have just let everybody get executed on that bug planet. And, and that would be it. Well, they're not very strategic. And, and I think they, they used to be, and then they, they just kind of lost that or they stopped caring. I'm really not sure where the lack of strategy came from, but they, they really don't. Have well, yeah. Okay. So anyway, I, I think it's kind of, it's, it, you have to look to the cartoon, I think to really get a better idea. Cause I think there are episodes yeah. of that, that show like, the Jedi becoming like progressively more warlike and like, like certain ones are like less concerned Mm -hmm. about like what they're doing. And they almost address the issue of that. They're like, like commanding a slave army and that's completely immoral and wrong because they're human beings too, but they don't really touch it because then you kind of are like, well, wait, then they're just evil from the get go. So that never gets addressed. But that to me is like the biggest bad thing they did. But anyway, like, so, but what Luke thinks is what we really care about here. Right. And so what does, well, before we get to that, what does Luke think the Jedi moral code is like in return to the Jedi? What is he, is he breaking from their moral code by refusing to fight Vader? Or is he, is he sticking to the code in a way that is perhaps reckless, but not wrong? No, I, I think he's sticking to what he believes is the code, even though, I mean, he, he knows it's, this is tough, right? Because on one hand, he is forming an attachment to another. He's also getting involved in matters that, you know, Yoda wouldn't necessarily want him to jump to. However, he does understand that by throwing down his lightsaber, he is complying with this idea that the light side isn't about aggression or violence. I mean, you see it, right? When he looks at, he, he, he cuts off his father's right. hand and he looks at his own mechanical hand and he realizes you know, what the dark side is, and he feels that. And so for him, I think, because the Jedi and the light are synonymous at that moment, right, in Return of the Jedi, and he realizes in, in The Last Jedi that, no, the, the light and the Jedi exist completely apart from the other. But in terms of The Last, or sorry, in terms of Return of the Jedi, he's thinking, well, light side is like the Jedi, so I am a Jedi, and I will not 
fight my father and I, I will think, not kill the emperor. See, this is interesting. I've always interpreted it as like, you know, there's this old uh, kind of, I don't know, parable or something from Japan about a samurai whose master is betrayed and killed. And the samurai's only job in life after that is to find the person who betrayed and killed his master and kill him. And so he chases this person down, finds him, corners him and says, and is about ready to kill him. And that, and the guy, uh, the, the traitor, um, like spits in the samurai's face and makes him angry. And then the samurai like is about ready to gets like furious and then suddenly puts his sword away and walks away. And the reason he does it, of course, is like you, to, if you're, if your job is to kill, that's one thing, but you do it dispassionately. If you do it out of passion and anger, then you're just a murderer. You're not doing it for the, your duty's sake. You're doing it because that's what you want to do. Cause you're angry. And that is like the idea of what he's like. No, I can't like, if they're, if they're going to win, if they goad me into, into fighting and making me angry, that's what they're trying to do. Like once he hears like the emperor going, good, good. I mean, how can you think like, okay, that's what he wants me to do. I got to take a second look here. So he's like, I'll just, I'll just right. split the difference. Like, I'm just going to throw the weapon away. It's like, no, you got to deal with it. Like I can't, it's either I die maybe, but I'm not going to die on the dark side. And right. So that's, that's one way of looking at it. And the reason why I always looked at it that way is because that very morning he killed like 50 people. Right. No, the Java's palace thing really throws off the pacifism argument. And it's not like he has like a, like a, and but also I, he like I, kills like the speeder bike guys who are literally that. just doing their job. Like all they're yeah. doing is what they were told to do. You, they're not evil at all. They're literally just schmoes who are doing their job. They might've been drafted into the empire, you know, into the Imperial army. Like what did they do wrong? Nothing, but you kill them because it's going to endanger the mission, which is a war. Right. So everything he does is like, and also like when he goes and kills all those people, he's doing it to rescue one person. You know what I mean? Like it, Right. Well, we had that conversation. I think that's more towards. We can pretend the, uh, like we didn't talk about this before and that we're having the conversation now. But, um, like. <sighs> well, because like I, this goes back like to, again to him, the light equals the Jedi, but is Luke really a Jedi? No. And I don't really believe he becomes a Jedi until the very end. Yeah. I mean, it's Yoda. Again, Yoda do. tells him like, when gone am I last of the Jedi, will you be? But then he also says, oh, no, you won't be a Jedi until you face Vader. You must. Here, I've got the – I actually wrote this down. Um, yeah, like, I mean, just to point out, like, what Luke does at Jabba's Palace is actually even worse than I thought. Because, like, he actually – you think about this. Like, you got you to gotta grapple with this on the pacifism thing. Because he doesn't at ever any point seem to reconsider what he did here. Be like, oh, my God, I'm a monster. Like, no. Like, the music swells. And the movie is telling you it's heroic and good. Right? So – it, it, implicitly Luke would kill his father if it weren't still, if there weren't still good in his father. Right. That's kind of, if, if his father were pure evil, he would kill Vader is what he's saying. Well, I, so I do want to divide this conversation. So, I mean, if, if the topic is, is Luke a pacifist at the end of the last Jedi, I think yes, but I, and but I don't think that before that he okay. was, there's, I mean, it's in his personality, right? And I do think that there is, and we'll get to this when we get to the Last Jedi. But there is very explicit imagery to show that rebirth before he exits the, um, was it what the mine, um, and and goes out to to face Kylo. But because I mean, even like let's just stick with the Kylo thing. Yeah. He they, they mirror the scene when 
he raises his lightsaber to Vader, where and what's interesting, and this may be getting a little yeah. off track, but um, Luke's I don't want to say violence, but um, like impulsive aggression, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, is used twice. Like we really see it twice, right? And it's it's once when he attacks his father, and then once when he thinks about attacking his nephew. And what's interesting is, so the first time he does it is what you can argue is the moment where he turns his father to the light. And I know this is a, this is a big argument if you think he was redeemed or not, but you know, so you have that being the catalyst for Vader's return because he sees after, you know, Luke cuts his hand off that he then throws away the saber and he's like, I'm not going to go down this path. But then what's interesting with Kylo is his step towards maybe killing his nephew and raising his lightsaber again to his family member is the catalyst for turning him to the dark. So they flip it. And Luke's again stuck in this, you know, realization that him not taking the pure, you know, I'm not going to fight my way through this, that you're taking that path leads now to a very negative consequence. Yeah. I mean, well, I I guess like it it wouldn't be that it's the catalyst for turning Ben Solo evil. It's like he Ben Solo is turning evil, and that's what is the thing that makes Luke uh, think like I might need to kill him. And he's like, no way, I cannot kill my nephew in cold blood. There's got to be something else I can do. But he's already made that mistake, see, I, and, it, and and it was like there's consequences to that. But I think though, if that event never happened, Ben would never have turned to the dark side because in his mind, right? And I don't mean to get too much down the rabbit hole. I'm gonna like just keep this to like under a minute, but. Um, you know, you, you have a character who has had this, you know, dark side, you know, force user in his head since you can argue due to aftermath since before he was even born. Um, but definitely the last Jedi novelization confirmed, yes, he was with him as a child. So you have, you know, this kid who we know from last shot was like, you know, his dad was off all the time and his mom wasn't really there and this droid tried to kill him. Um, and we know from the last Jedi novel that he thinks that his like parents thought he was a monster. So in his head, you know, he's been slowly groomed by this Darksider. His parents just sent him away to his uncle, who has just tried to kill him. So in his mind, my entire family yeah. wants me dead. I have nowhere else to go but to yeah. Snoke. There's literally But then, like, the next thing he do. does is, like, burn down a building full of people and kill anyone who doesn't join but him. But we don't know, though. But we don't know that because it could have been that in self-defense. We literally do not have the information yet. Maybe you're well, right, that's, but okay. we don't right. necessarily Yeah, I mean, that's true. Everybody's only right acting now. with talking about with the information they have. But it's the kind of thing that if a later movie mm-hmm. were to contradict what people said, it would be a problem and probably wouldn't get written that way. So at best, they would avoid the issue. But I don't know. Well, anyway. Okay, so that's an open question. That's true. All right. But I think we got to get to like why I can skip ahead a lot here because right. – um, I was, I had this whole thing written out about like all the different drafts of Return of the Jedi and like what, cause there's a question about whether Luke or, or whether Yoda and Ben want Luke to kill his father. Right. And they want it because it, it's kind of written ambiguously. And there's like story conference transcripts about this where George Lucas kind of says like they don't want, like obviously a Jedi can't just kill for the sake of, um, this is a direct quote here. Obviously, a Jedi can't just kill for the sake of killing. The mission isn't for Luke to go out and kill his father and get rid of him. The issue is if he confronts his father again, he may, in defending himself, have to kill him because his father will try to kill him. 
This is the state of affairs that Yoda should refer to. And so they don't want, like, they didn't, they knew that they wanted to be surprised that, oh, Luke would not fight his father and that his father would, like, become a decent human being at the end. Um, but they can't telegraph that to you. And they also have to make it seem like, oh, no, Luke's doing the wrong thing again, like he did in Empire. And he's going to pay for it. And uh, it like to create some kind of suspense. But, you know, that's, that's apparently not what they are saying. It's just kind of unclear. I think they're saying, like, you've got to be willing to face him and die and, or, and kill him to, to save you. Like, they're, if he, because if Luke dies, then the Jedi are over, right? So that's kind of like what they're looking at. They're like, you got to face Vader, but you also got to live through it or else this is all for nothing. I don't know. I mean, Luke is like, it's like about controlling hate is what Lucas says. He says, Luke is angry. He's using the dark side. The emperor keeps saying, see how much stronger you're becoming. Hate him more. And just when you think Luke is going to kill Vader, the emperor says, finish him. And now we have Luke is about to kill an unarmed defenseless man. We've never done that before. If he kills a defenseless man, especially defenseless father, then he has gone over to the dark side, but Luke turns off his laser sword. Cause this is Lucas talking and that's what he calls him. Uh, he throws it at the emperor and says, I've controlled my hate. I don't hate my father. So that's where I think, I think so we're kind of agreed on that. Like at, at the point of return of the Jedi, that's where yeah. he is. Like he's saying that it's more important. Like that's what makes him a Jedi, I guess, is, is that he's like, he's the master of his emotions. And he realizes that if there's a point where I'm tempted, I would rather die than, um, than go over to the dark side because the dark side would just create so much more suffering for everybody. I will not do, I will not make the mistake my father did, I guess. So like where, what happens in between then? It's like, you can kind of piece a chronology together. So at some point, like he, it seems like Luke does not start his training temple until he's begun teaching Ben Solo. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what he says that, you know, I, I yeah. started a temple or whatever. So prior to that, or whether or not that's yeah. his first one, I don't know, but it, it's so not prior like to that. He must've spent some time kind of preparing to pass on what he had learned. Cause that's what he promised Yoda he would do. But in truth, he didn't really know that much. So what he'd learned isn't really that much. And this kind of gets back to what kind of person is Luke in my theory is that he is a humble farm boy at heart. And, uh, his like yep. primary, like role models as a child were like uncle Owen and aunt Baru. And that's why I think it's interesting that I don't know where anybody else thinks this way, but I feel like he's acting a lot like uncle Owen when he's, when he's trying to be like, be crabby to Ray. Like he's kind of doing the uncle Owen thing. Like he's being sarcastic. He's like, you know, that's, he's kind of channeling Owen. Oh, interesting. I just think he's fallen into an incredible depression because he realizes what the Jedi were, what he never yeah. understood about them. He also, you know, I, he, and that's the question is like, what does he think? It, like, then there's a question of like, is he actually that angry at her or is he just trying to get her to leave? Mm -hmm. Which is, I think an open question, but no, I, I think it's one of those things where he's angry at himself. He doesn't want to confront this life again. Um, you know, he doesn't want to be that peacekeeper on the front lines or even a peacekeeper for preventing conflict. He just wants to be, um, and I, he just doesn't, I, I don't think he's mad at Ray. I think he's mad at himself and she's reminding him of all he was and calling him yeah, a Come teach me, teach me great teacher. And he's like, I'm a terrible teacher. <laughs> like, you yeah. have no idea how bad I am. Yeah. I, I he's just, that, that's all him. I, I don't think he's ever. Yeah. For, and it's like, it's interesting. I was uh, reading the novelization a little bit just to see whether it had some, could shine any light on this issue. And it, it does, but it's like, it's interesting how they soften Luke up a little bit in, in the novelization where, cause you can hear what he's thinking, which yeah. you can't hear in the movie. And so there's like a point where he's like, right before he walks in on, on uh, Kylo and Ray, 
um, he's like saying, I'm going to tell Ray that she was right, that I'm going to go with her. And that's like a big leap that the movie doesn't tell you. Um, and I wonder whether it's something that the author felt like had to be there to make it, to make Luke more likable. But, um, anyway, but like, but he, he does, he's a lot and I, like he, he tempers his words to her a lot more in the book. Like he can be rude, but then he'll like walk it back a little bit. And he like, like smiles more. They describe him smiling at her, which he doesn't do a whole lot of in the movie. And I'm glad they took that direction in the film though. Cause I think you needed that for his character. You gotta believe that he's not like you only, the only time you see a crack of, of the real Luke, I think is when he's on the Falcon alone and, and talking to R2, his voice is totally different. He's using the same kind of words yep. and cadence that he used as a young man. I think that's really the real Luke. And He's hiding it from yeah. himself and everybody else, but he can't hide it from R2 because he loves yeah. R2. Everybody needs to know this, that the, he's like the, like Luke looks at droids the way nobody else looks at droids. Like mm-hmm. not necessarily like romantically or anything like, like we're not in Lando territory here, but, um, but, uh, he, he treats them like human beings at all times, uh, which no, no other character seems to do. But yeah, I mean, I feel like at that point, right after return of the Jedi, he probably felt like he needed to learn more about the Jedi and what they did before he could even claim himself to be a teacher. And cause that's, he was like a humble guy. It's like, well, I don't actually know anything. I have to learn something. And that's also like a convenient way of delaying your responsibilities. I also just adding to that. I also think he, he obviously did feel like he failed. Like everything he knew was wrong because the impulse that he had to save, you know, his sister to save the greater good by, killing his nephew backfired on him so completely or just following the force because the force. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's a separate, I'm talking about right after return of the Jedi. Like why doesn't he start training people immediately? Oh, sorry. And then cause we'll get to that. Cause that's, that's kind of where I'm leading up to. I'm trying to figure out what his, cause it is actually an open question of whether, why he went to the Island at first and not, not why he was still there and what he was going to do later, what he decided to do, but whether he had a different reason for going there, we don't know. But like, I feel like he kind of delayed the whole teaching thing because he, it, it gives him time to also like learn some of the secret history of the empire emperor's kind of conspiracy and learn that the Jedi Knights were kind of abject failures who allowed that to happen. But did they, did, did he do that before the, well, he couldn't have learned it from Octu cause that was already lost. So nothing in those books would have anything to do with what we saw in the prequels. So, yeah, that was always my issue, right? Because I feel like the movie makes it sound like he learned that all on Octu, but, like, why would that have been in the I mean, books? unless Yoda was, like, showing up at, after dark and, like, sneaking into the tree and, like, yeah. writing stuff. Down. And then Yoda made an excellent decision he did. Well, the fact that he blamed Obi-Wan and not Yoda tells me that your but theory is correct. he says a Jedi Master was responsible for... He doesn't say... I know, but like in well, our we all know that's what he means. Canada, yeah, I think you're right, sure and Obi-Wan. because that's the lesson that uh, Obi Wan wanted to teach him. So for whatever, like personally, I look at it as right. a ghost of Ben Kenobi tells the truth, and that I look at the prequels as being like a restructuring of. It's like to me that's like that's the Gone with the Wind. What the Gone with the Wind is to the Civil War, that's what the prequels are to like what happened. It's like mm-hmm. all this stuff nobody would know if they're writing the story later because most of it's like very very secret. So there's just like somebody pieced it together. It's like, I think this is how it happened. And it's like in the broad strokes, it's correct. But like little details like that might be, might be uh, different or maybe like people just don't remember it the same way, but it doesn't really matter. You don't have to, I think from Luke's perspective, he just believes what the ghost told him. 
Um, but he has to have learned something because he knows the name Darth Sidious, which he should not know. Like, right. And, and I do feel like that was a kind of a bad choice of words, but, um, or we'll just learn about it in the book. Yeah. I mean, learn about, but like, I don't think that that name got thrown around a lot. So I don't, but then again, like, I guess like they must've, I, you know, I shouldn't say that. Cause I might, I might not, I probably don't remember the moments in the, in the prequels where they said his name, if they did know his name, then that's not out of the question that somebody could have told him. But it, we also don't know how much history the first order or any of the sympathizers could have restored. Yeah. Or what they, yeah, they or would be interested in restoring like their, their, their right. uh, bias would be that the empire was good. The emperor was good. And uh, so they don't want to talk about how he was like a Satanist. So, yeah, but they would put something like a Jedi Master turned Vader. Yeah, well, they—I mean, that part of it—that's you know, that's a whole other kettle of fish, right there. So it's it's possible. Right. I think it's possible that Luke may have been out selecting students before he started training his nephew, but I don't think that's what they would do if they were to tell a story about it because it's not that interesting. It's like most likely, I think, if this is ever fleshed out, we're going to learn that Luke took Ben with him on his search for students. They found like about a dozen students, and they were using that as a training opportunity. They had adventures along the way, right? You oh. Know, like, Sorry, a light bulb just went off in my head. There is a whole huge thing that we don't know anything about yet. Oh, yeah, what's that? answer this whole question. The thing that it was rumored to be in The Last Jedi and never showed up, but the reason why in Bloodline, Luke and Ben and presumably other students were out looking for something and uh, they were out in a location where Leia couldn't reach them. And we still we have be, no idea yeah, what that was. After they, they, were they might have been looking for a, a site to, to create the training temple, perhaps. But yeah, I mean, Bloodline... Maybe, but why would the training temple be out in a place where nobody can reach them? I mean, maybe that's what he wanted, but it sounded more like they were on some kind of expedition. Yeah, I mean, that could have happened even after they founded the temple. They just went on a field trip, right? Like, I know, I think they definitely did, because if Ben was already with yeah. him, right? So I, if we're aligning this correctly, he created the temple, then they went on this, like, you know, side adventure. But I, we don't know what that yeah. is yet. And I, I think a lot, they're deliberately holding back everything to do with Ben. And if they don't explain it in the ninth, um, I am going to be I don't, like, I don't think they, upset. I don't think they can do stuff like that. I think it has to be fleshed out some other way, but I hope they do. Cause that sounds like interesting. It's like, it's a, it's a perfect, like, you know, adventure type story of like, Oh, here's like the old master. And he's trying to teach his like unruly nephew yeah. who's always complaining and, you know, like, and they're like getting caught up and that's how, and then you're watching somebody grow in the force and, and also seeing like hints of them turning evil. But you know, that's like, it's, uh, that's a formula that works. Yeah. Like we've seen that. Oh, the, yeah. Like that part, I think is going to be fleshed out more in like a book or something, but specifically like if they're looking at anything connected to Ray, it'll be in nine. If they're not, it won't be in nine. But Oh, um, oh I see. Huh. Yeah. It's just weird. It, it could be connected to like, cause at that point, theoretically, right. If we're looking at it, like Ray, and I'm not saying she was created by the force, but if she had the force within her when she was born and she is the light to Kylo's dark, that would have meant that Kylo had to start rising in the dark by the eight, by the time he was 10 years old. So by that point, you know, whatever force thing was going on with like his counterpart in the light that uh, it could have been connected yeah, to that. I, I mean, but, but yeah, they're, they're only going to go over it if it has yeah, to be he, that. So anyway, like, yeah, so the, we actually don't know very much about this, but just like skipping ahead a little bit at some point, like he had amassed about a dozen students. He says he found a training temple during this time, like, 
and is growing in power and is dem and is if not turning evil is demonstrating evil looking prospects because it's something like the reason why Luke says he's going to come in and thinking of killing him is for the good of the galaxy. He's seeing the future. And if he found out that he was going to torch one village, which we know he does, like it would be a serious moral conundrum of whether you just kill him now. Like it not as like, this is what I want to do, but it's like, if I can save like 500 people by, by killing one person, that's a classic, you know, philosophical conundrum. Right. So, oh, but it's also an issue yeah. of like, are you doing it out of fear? Are you doing it because you're sure it's what's going to happen? Or are you afraid it's going to happen? And what, and are you afraid of what that's going to make you look like? And is that why you're really doing it? And I think that's why he couldn't do it no matter what. Because I, I think there's also this added layer of what they would have found out afterwards, because what's so interesting is Snoke, we know has been with Ben since he was a kid. And yet everybody seems to have found out about him after the burning of the Jedi temple, which is terrifying. Like where were yeah, y'all? It's that's, that's kind of an issue. Like, I think it's, it's, they're going to have to kind of got a Gordian knot here to cut, but it's like, you got to figure out like, why does Leia know? First of all, like, it's weird that people in the galaxy know who Snoke is. You'd think that he wouldn't be advertising, but then again, I guess like they've got to like, that's the basis for the first order's authority maybe, but it's kind of weird. Like, how does Leia know that it was Snoke? Why does she blame Snoke? Well, she definitely knows after the fact, right? Because she doesn't... I feel like if she really thought that Ben was in jeopardy... Well, I don't oh. know. Maybe because she also says that that's... Oh, actually, no. This is, we're making this too difficult because they're space wizards. So they can... like She can sense this weird <laughs> unknown darkness in him or dark presence. She does, right? Right. So that. she can sense something's yeah. up. And she senses like an other person's kind of... Like an other... Like not... It's like an evil presence, but like not not within like a literally could be from another place. And then she comes into some proximity to Snoke or hears about him deals with them is a close to him or close to people who are close to him. However it works. And she feels the same thing. And she's like, Oh, now I know. So it could be really easy how she knows. Like it's like, mm -hmm. Oh, like, cause they can sense like weird feelings and stuff like that. They have weird, they can, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, the death star is the size of a moon and Vader can feel the presence of his old master you know, somewhere on that giant death moon. Right. So like, that's a good point. I, what I really want to know is when she, when Leia says that it was Snoke or uh, sorry, when, so Luke says that Leia blamed Snoke, but it was me. Like at what point did she he figure can, that I mean, out? He like, and I know that's more or less what presence, you're saying. But like, like that's the, like, that's why he cuts himself off from the force. Right. It's Cause he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to see his, sure. his loved one suffering and he doesn't want to be in communication with anybody. He doesn't want anybody to find him. He doesn't want to, uh, to be like, he doesn't want to activate his conscience. Like he has to like, he, what he wants to do is go out and fight and make this right. But he also doesn't want to face his sister and his brother-in-law and like other things like, and he's, you know, there's all kinds of reasons, but I mean, I think like, or he could like have sent a letter to her before he vanished. And like, not necessarily said where he's going, but people know that he went looking for the first Jedi temple somehow that. So right. No, it's a good point. You can yeah, imagine that at some point, like right. they're looking for, for their son and like Han and Leia are like asking around, like, Hey, has Luke been here? What's, what's he doing? Or they try and like, figure, you know, they could try and they've been trying to find him. So they learn somehow what he's kind of up to. And at some point either after, so what Luke does not do apparently is try to go after Ben. Like he doesn't go after Kylo Ren. He doesn't, he, 
whether that's out of grief or whether it's like feeling like he could only make it worse or that he brings out even more hatred in, in uh, his nephew and is, is going to make him more powerful or that he thinks that Snoke's going to like curb stomp him like space wizard style or whatever it is, but he doesn't. Instead, he goes looking for that temple. Why is he going at first? Like we know later it's because he decides he's going to live there in exile and die. And he's going to make sure that before he dies, all the Jedi stuff is torched so that nobody can do this again. And cause he thinks that they have caused more harm than good. If he's the only person who can train new Jedi and he made a monster man, then it's not good for him to train more Jedi. He's going to just create like, there's more monsters out there now. Like I can't be doing this. And that's why I think he's saying like, it's the, it was a Jedi master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. It's like, yeah, my teacher made a space Hitler. I made a space Hitler. Maybe this is not a good thing to be teaching people. Like if, if, if two out of like how many people in like 50 years who are trained, like <laughs> there's like 10 Jedi left or five Jedi or whatever it is. And it's like two out of five are evil. Like, that's not good. That's not a good record. Like you, maybe you got to consider sure, not teaching this stuff to people anymore. Well, yeah. And I think that that's why he goes to the temple to really figure out, okay, well, what, went wrong and this is where he comes at least i think this is his conclusion which it's the jedi don't necessarily teach the light they teach an ideology that aligns with the light but the light in itself is something very different and the idea of starting this quote-unquote new jedi order which is what presumably ray is going to go and do right is that she's taking it means this whole thing of, um, you know, taking what you want from the past and moving it forward to the future and, and not leaving behind what was bad, but learning from the failures yeah. of what went wrong. And so that that's where we're going forward with the yeah, Jedi. We're assuming he um, learned about all the Jedi's like screw ups and bloopers and stuff like before he trained Ben, then he must have set about like, OK, I'm going to try and like out with the bad and we're going to like do this the right way. Like, I'm just going to be teaching the way that I was taught because I turned out fine. Right. And then when his first student turns out horrible, then it's like, oh, I can't even do this. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, none of this is going to work. But I don't, th- I don't think he was working off of that ideology. I don't even know, like, what he was coming to the table with in terms of how he was teaching the, the quote unquote Jedi ways if he had to go to an island to learn that. Yeah. Right. Or if he had to go to an island to, like, dig deep into them. Or, I don't exactly yeah, maybe know. Maybe he was he looking was for, like, is like, is there anything worth saving here? Is there anything I can go back to if I can't go back to the beginning and find something? Right. I mean, my suspicion is that like the dramatic thing is like, he's like, nope, I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm not going to be a Jedi anymore. I'm not going to train any Jedi and I'm going to make sure nobody can do this. This is an atomic bomb and we keep making them and I'm going to make sure nobody can make them again. That's going to be the best thing I can do for the galaxy. But maybe in his heart of hearts, he's thinking, I hope I find something in that, in that old monastery that convinces me not to do this. And then he goes there and everything he finds in there is ridiculous to him. It's like, this is what all those books would tell you. Oh, so <laughs> that's the next thing, right? Is like the deleted scene, which I think is the, to me, is the nail in the mm-hmm. coffin of Luke as a pacifist, as far as I'm concerned, because his whole lesson that got cut out of the movie is right. Like, let's, what is that? I wrote it down. It's something like every. Yeah. If, if you're having a hard time finding it, it's like, just scroll up in our discord. Oh, okay. you, you quoted it to me. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, so yeah, he said, so this is what he says in that whole, and this was all one long scene. We only saw the first part of it. So like at the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the empire and wipe them out. It was a Jedi master who was responsible for the training creation of Darth Vader. And then 
he launched right into lesson three, which we didn't see, but do you know what it, so he tells Ray that there's, she sees a boat coming from another Island and she's like, Oh, what's that? And he's like, Oh, those are, uh, it's a raiding party from a neighboring Island. They come once a month to like raid and plunder the caretaker's village. And, uh, and Ray's like, aren't you going to do anything? He's like, no, he's like, you want to be a Jedi? Like every book in that library, what they're going to tell you. So he says, you know what a true Jedi would do right now? Nothing. If, if, you meet that reading rating party with force. They'll be back next month in greater numbers and with greater violence. Will you be here next month? That burning inside you, that anger thinking of what the Raiders are going to do. The books and the Jedi library say to ignore all that only act when you can maintain balance. Even if people get hurt and Ray says, I, I felt like they were in danger. I was trying to do something. And, uh, Luke says, and that's what the resistance needs. Not some old failed husk of a religion. Do you understand now? And that's like, I think those lines are from after when she like, He's not into, he doesn't intend for her to actually run to the village and like embarrass herself, but she, she leaps into action so fast that he can't stop her. And so when he catches up, he's like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't, I was going to tell you, but it's, it's nothing. I just, and his point is like, you should be like that fire burning inside you. Listen to it, act, do something. And that, how can you say that if you think that the Jedi failed because they weren't nonviolent enough? But again, I, I, what's so interesting about this interpretation is that ideologically like this is what the jedi believed but especially what we see in clone wars like they did go out and then that also got them into trouble as well which is why i i don't i think it's more complicated than just that one line because as we see at the end right like you know luke does get up quote unquote and do something but he still doesn't do anything except that and here's the other part of the of the pacifist issue is that he is taking a side in a war so he is saying, no, this side needs to survive so they can fight again and the conflict can continue. If he let the resistance get snuffed out, then he would be ending the war, right? Like he's picking a side. Yeah, but you'd only be causing. But that's the idea. Conflict. It's like no matter what you do, you're in, intervening in a war. A pacifist would have to say, by definition, I think, I'm not getting involved. Like I, I will do whatever. Like there's like debate whether like, oh, can you drive an ambulance? Yeah, you're helping the war effort, but then again, like, you know, you're not killing anybody. Is that pacifistic or not? I don't know. I mean. No, I mean, that's why Satine dies, right? Like, her death is so symbolic for how pacifism does not work. True pacifism, right? But I, I think where people are coming from when they say that Luke is a pacifist is it's it's not he ideologically, if we're looking at it literally, no, like in his complete sense, he is not a quote unquote pacifist. But does he borrow pacifist ideology into his practices he, i mean yes. i think it's like it's it, i guess my question would be is there any meaningful difference between showing up and intervening to prolong a war even if it's a, a war you think is a just war and 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 teleporting your your like brain vision over there like i don't yeah but how are you showing up i mean look at quote unquote how we showed up right he stopped this entire violent conflict. I mean, the resistance idea of, def of you know, doing this was like going out and trying to explode as much stuff as possible. And, you know, Finn, like his idea was like, well, actually, uh, all right, no, I don't want to go down the can of worms of going into Finn's arc because he does bleed into this in terms of that he is also ready to sacrifice yeah, himself. Yeah, he's going to throw his life away for um, nothing at that point. He's just so angry and so tired yeah. of fighting he just wants to do something and he's like all this all the stuff i went through it can't be for nothing but it's it's a way of giving up right is i think the ah uh, I, I, I don't I, see it I, that way 
I, I, I feel like he's found his belonging. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's a way of, like, not giving up the fight. It's like, it's a way of, it's, it's, you're giving into despair at that point. You're saying that there's nothing that can be saved here. Like, I'm going to throw my life away on something that has, like, a less than 1% chance of possibly working. Like, he's already watching his guns melt. Like, he knows that his ship is not going to do anything once it gets there. Like, it's just going to melt, too. And he's going to melt. And it's like, it's, but he's doing it because he's not thinking anymore. He's acting without thinking. It's a kind of, like, it's very almost dark side way of looking at the comp. Like, I don't care if I'm going to die. Like, I'm just going to do this. Like, I don't. It's, it's not going to matter, but like, whatever, like I've got to do something. I'm not going to, whereas like, and, and which is the exact thing that Rose tells him is like, she's not saying like, Oh, we're not going to fight anymore. It's like, no, we're not going to throw our lives away on this. Like if we're, if we can survive, we're going to survive and we'll fight again another day. Right. And it's, but yeah, he's not really, it kind of ties in, but it's, I think what Rose says is, uh, is supposed to be like the, the lesson to be learned in that movie, I guess is like, you're fighting for something, but you're fighting so that you can, you know, for the good of everybody you love, like you're not doing this, like, like this isn't uh don't, you know, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that the next movie kind of has to ignore because you can't just do a bunch of movies about like, let's take the like cautious path and not do a crazy plan. But it's what I like about the fact that they did it is just, it's just acknowledging that like, Oh no, there's like a time for everything. Like you can't, it's not always time to go blow stuff up. It's like, it's sometimes it's time just to survive right. and the, the good people have to survive if they're going to be able to do any good at all, I guess. I don't know. It's no, I mean, that's what I love about Poe's character in the narrative. I mean, I don't agree with him, but he's such a good character to have in this, this mix up because he is the idea of he's the extremist on the side that you want to agree with. But, and I know this is going to cause controversy and this has caused controversy, but theoretically Poe is a terrorist. He just is, he does it. For the right. Well, reasons. I mean, in the same sense that the entire <laughs> but he is like very violent. Is like, sure, yeah. I mean, that just. It, but he's. I mean, you have the ideologues really foiling each other, which is Poe and the Resistance and Hux on the, um, the First Order, and I, I think that's going to play a huge. I, part I, I think it's one. interesting to contrast that with like the kind of the end of Rogue One, where uh, Jin is like about ready to go. Um, like uh, she's like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, whatever. They don't want to do anything. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then Cassian and, and all these other people you haven't really met before. And he says, no, we're going to help you. We've done some terrible things to help because we were trying to stop the empire. We're not going to, if we just give up, then all the bad stuff we did is for nothing. Like, you know, Cassian mm-hmm. shoots that guy at the very beginning, which I think is important to show because that's the right thing to do in that situation, but it's horrible. And that's kind of the issue of like, right. You're not, he's not doing it because he wants to survive himself. He's doing it because it's important for everybody else. And he's like, this guy is going to get tortured. He's going to sing the entire plan to everybody. And it's, it's all going to be over. Like, this is the most humane thing I can do sure. for everybody. And he feels bad about it. But like, that's why everybody's like, no, we're, this is a point where it's like, it's all or nothing. We have to do something or else we, the people, the foot soldiers who are out here doing what the politicians wanted, we were the ones like doing the, the dirty stuff. And that wasn't because we're bad people. It's because we believe we had to. And it's a very like non, it's not a pacifist thing at all, but it, it's not supposed to be, but it's like, that's very much the exact opposite message. It's, it's, uh, sure. But I mean, but then contrast that with Luke, right? So you have characters like that and, you know, like Poe who are out saying like, no, the more stuff we destroy, the further ahead we get. 
And where people come from, I think, when they say that Luke is a pacifist is that he still consistently does the opposite, where the more he puts down his sword, the further. Yeah, I think it's clear that even if he were there in person, he would not have tried to kill Kylo. That he can't, he can't. It, it would sure. be the same thing yeah, with no. Darth Vader because he's like, I too much is wrapped into this. This is too much about me. I can't separate myself from it. You're my flesh and blood. You're my nephew. Like I, I love you, but I hate you. And it, like somebody else maybe needs to kill you, but I cannot do it, but I can intervene. I have to get involved and, and save every, as many people as I can, because I've got, somebody's got to clean up, clean this up. Right. And he must know that like, he knows that. I mean, he tells Kylo like, no, like I'm not going to be the last Jedi. I mean, like Ray's going to go on. She's going to do it. And the war is just beginning, meaning that there's more violence to come. And like, he's, he's picking a side. And, and if he's being a true Jedi at that point, he is completely abandoning the, the don't do anything unless you can. Well, unless that's how you create balance, but it's really not even doing that. It's just like, no, like, so I think that seems interesting, right? Because it's partially, I'm going to put down my own reservations of facing you for the greater good. But at the same time, he's also atoning for what has burdened him for so long. Um, so it's really interesting that, that Ryan Johnson does and how he communicates. So like the way of, of how interlocked Luke's plot is with Ray's plot is with Kylo's plot is all of them go through a really interesting cycle of death and rebirth that is shown. It's shown two ways. It's shown either like very explicitly through rather for the imagery, or it's also shown through the sunset versus when yeah. it's dawn. So like, so for example, you know, things that are, are new that may have come from ideas of the past, but that will carry on into the, the next film are events that happen at dawn. So like the force bond happens at dawn. Um, the discovery of the hole beneath Octu happens at dawn in the first training session. So that that's the thing that really kicks, you know, Ray's arc in, in how she comes to understand herself well enough to carry on these ideals. Um, the, and the burning of the forest tree, which I think is really important, happens at dawn. So you can see when Luke goes and ignites the the flame thing, you can see the sun mm. beginning to rise. Um, and, and that's a big one because that one really symbolizes the start of you know, the, the, the burning of the old and this, this beginning of the new. And of course, Ray takes the books, but, you know, she's in herself, right, is, is something that's not burdened by all of this, this expectation. I mean, she's going to carry forward, hopefully learning from at least what she yeah, I mean, she's has in been the failures. Only slight, like she's in a, I think, similar situation to Luke after Return of the Jedi at that point, except that she's in the middle of a war still. Whereas like Luke is kind of like, he really sure. takes himself out of the final battle in a way. Sure. But, but Ray is in a war, right? Where she obviously, obviously sides with the resistance, but I am firmly on the stand that she has not found belonging in the resistance. She just cares for everybody in the well, resistance I mean, strongly. Yeah. But I, and I think that they show this, like Ryan does an amazing job at, so at the end Right. When everybody's kind of crowded around in groups, like Finn is with Rose and you, you have people and she is sitting there alone looking around and she's like, I mean, Le- Leia eventually joins her, but it's like very obviously she's going to fight with them. But I, I, I I'm going to be interested to see where they take it because I don't think she yeah. believes well, that necessarily what she doesn't. Doing well, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't it's, I don't know that there's any 
suggestions of that because we don't even know what she thinks is the best. Like, all we know is that she thinks that the right thing so to do true. is to, if there's evil in the world, you should fight it. And that's about yep. as complicated as it gets. And she's a very, like, in a way, that's like part of her. When people say, oh, Ray has no flaws. Ray's a perfect Mary. No, she's not. She makes a huge mistake and almost, like, ruins everything because of it. Like, if she she what? goes to, uh, she's convinced that she can save uh, Kylo Ren. And she can't. Right. And she doesn't. So, like, what Luke is saying is not that he right. cannot be saved. He's not saying you're wrong to not, like, her heart is in the right place, I think. Yeah, yeah, her compassion is like, not wrong. I, but I, the I do kind of think that she him. is so yeah, like desperate for somebody to accept her that, like, her sort of emotionally might not be in a good position to be doing that. I don't, like, I'm not a, I don't really, I don't have a theory about this. I think it's just more of like a, no, I, I, yeah, I don't. I, so the book explains it really well, right? When she wakes up and Kylo's still unconscious and she realizes that what the force shows you, right. we, we don't know what she saw, right? When her and Kylo touched hands, but it, it was enough to make her cry. So I'm assuming it was something with finding a yeah, boy, I mean, which is all she really wants. So I, I do think she just realized that this was not in my control. And I'm going to have to wait on this. And like, this is up to him. Like, I can't go in and try to establish his identity just as he can't come in and try to establish mine, which is because like, I mean, you have two characters who, and I think I've said this before, but who, who have basically spent this entire movie breaking down barriers that the other had to get to their identity. But then once they're there, they're right. Kind it's of all that alone both too. To like do. that's, I think like there's, there's a part of the, right. the novelization that talks about like, she had to talk to like, after she goes through the whole cave thing, and she's like, I have to, she's like, Ray knew that she had to talk to like the one person she knew who would actually understand how it felt to just confirm your loneliness completely. Right. And, and of course she's, she's going to talk to Kylo Ren somehow. And of course, cause Snoke is setting this up. He allows that to happen at just the right point. Like we don't know that she could have just contacted him on her own, but it's not really important. Like she is being manipulated, yeah, but she point. also like, I think is, she doesn't know how to feel like she's gone through so much in like the last, like what, three days. Where like everything that she thought was true, like she found out something crazy about herself. And then like she goes to see the one guy who could possibly make sense if she wasn't even sure it was a real person. And then he's like a jerk to her. And then like she finds out that he might be actually like a really bad person and that the really bad person that she hates might actually be like a understandable, like good person. And he seems to maybe he actually cares about me. And it's like, I think there's like a lot going on there where she's like, she's, yeah. way too clouded by her own like i mean we all experience this in real life on various levels right there's it's very easy to convince mm -hmm. yourself that something's a good idea when you want it to when that's the answer you want you know like it's just it's like either it can be confirmation bias or it can just be like motivated reasoning or it can just be like you are like people like stay in really terrible relationships for a long time sometimes because they've they have become dependent in a way that's not has nothing to do with love or romance or anything and it's more like this is about other issues that you need to work out but you're not going to do it as long as you're i'm not saying any of that is exactly what's happening but right yeah i always get like touchy on this one because like people like to make this comparison it's like yeah but y'all there's like this giant fairy tale yeah it's not yeah it's been manipulated but, oh, no, but saying, I, I get what yeah, you're saying yeah. I, I know what but you mean like, like i'm not saying like oh no it's like it's like they're toying with the idea of like a really ugly abusive relationship and this is like now i mean it's it's touching on that but star wars right, can right. touch on those things without literally having it all the way out there like it touches on a lot of stuff that it doesn't go through completely with you know like 
Well, I, they don't, um, I, I don't, it's just, it's a complex, it's, it's the romantic drama trope is what they're playing through. Like, there's always that, it's like, you know, Jane Eyre finding out the woman in Mr. Rochester's attic. Or like, you know, Elizabeth Bennet finding out that, you know, Mr. Darcy screwed over her sister. Like, this, this is just how it goes, right? I mean, it's on a much more operatic, intense, very, yeah. like, much deeper level. But it's like, just. You know, if you want to look at whatever, we've like officially descended way off topic. Kind of, but, but we can um, get right back on topic because she does, as you mentioned earlier, when she wakes up first, he is at her mercy. He is not, and she knows that right. he has embraced evil or she knows that like he did something that he thought at first, <laughs> they had that great whole exchange where he's like, don't do this, please don't do this. Don't like, but also she's saying like, don't leave me alone again. Don't put me like, I thought I'd had somebody who finally understood me. Like I thought we were going to be in this together. And it's like, no, it was always for him. It's like, no, this is what it's about for me. Like, this is what we do. And so she could have just picked up the guy. Well, I mean, he thought, yeah, the same he thing, did. Right? Like, of course, like he's ups and angry and stuff, but he, it's clear that he's like on a, on a certain level, heartbroken one level or another. And, but he's just, he cannot, we talked about this in a previous episode, so we don't need to, but he, if she wakes up first, Wait, wait, which which part? Because I don't think I talked I about. I think we did. I think we were talking about how there's a the question of whether he's um, like they both they both had expectations that the other one was gonna gonna do what they right. wanted. But I think and, and we I think we mentioned that before because that's like my favorite scene maybe in the entire movie is where like both of their illusions are shattered simultaneously. Right. And it's uh. like. But they, was, but they're yeah. like Ray is like that's where she grows up a little bit, and that she recognizes it. Yep. Which it's also you know what's funny it's also like where he we see him because he's in a much I think it's it's much more difficult for him in like a way I mean she it, it, this is my interpretation I know people disagree with this but like I believe Kylo's interpretation when he says that. um that you've just hidden it away. And it mostly because Maz says you already yeah. know the truth. Like your, your parents aren't coming back. Right. So she, she knows, and she's just, you know, buried that. And so he's finally pulled it out. And now she's like, Oh crap. Okay. Well, I have to go deal with that. And for him, I mean, I think the novel drives this home a bit better. I mean, it's difficult in the films. Mm. There's only so much you can do, but in, in the novel, when he wakes up and he realizes Ray didn't kill him, he says that it's, it's almost as if she cared for him and sentiment would be, her downfall, which is exactly what Snoke tells him in the beginning of The Force Awakens when he's talking about how sentiment killed Anakin. So you have a character who has just killed, like, this thing who has been in his head forever, but it's the idea of, like, okay, well, this thing has been, you know, we don't know how he's communicating with them. We just know he was influencing yeah. him, according to the novel and some other novels, that, you know, since he was a child. So, like, when you break away from that, like, where That's, else yeah. are you going to go mentally? <laughs> There's this idea that he should have been able to, like, follow Ray and turn. And it's just like, what motive? I mean, this is so ridiculous. He's had, like, yeah. three days of, you know, these chances. And he, you're talking about erasing decades yeah, of, of course, conditioning. Yeah. When he doesn't know where to go and he realizes like, so getting back to this Luke thing, finally. Well, I just, just before we do, I just want to, <laughs> like, like the, what you said, it's like yeah. when she wakes up first, she could have just picked up one of those like, like shiny spark, like halberds or whatever they are that the guards had and just lopped off his yeah. head. She could have killed him. She could have killed him with yeah, his lightsaber. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Even easier. So like, or she could have like taken his lightsaber. Like she really just chooses like, no, I'm going to let this play out the way it's going to play out. He's on his path. It's yeah. not, this is not something I can get involved in. For the right reasons, I'm going to just go. Like, my friends need my help. Yeah. I'm just going to go. Okay, so, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Uh, what? 
Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he basically then becomes exactly what Snoke wanted him to be, which was a Vader 2.0. And, and Ryan really does this amazing, you know, thing where he has Adam mimic a lot. Like, you really see him. It's a little heavy-handed, even, because, like, he goes on with the force choke, then he's, like, strutting down a ramp, then he's, like, throwing his cape off, like Anakin does in Revenge of the Sith. And it's very much, he, like, it's, it's, and I, I'm a big, like, mm-hmm. Kylo Ren sympathizer, obviously, if you can't tell, huh? But, to me, it's, like, heartbreaking how he's, like, you finally got away from this this person who has abused you for your whole life. And, like, you just become exactly what he said you were going to become. And he doesn't realize that, I don't think, until, and getting back to this death and rebirth imagery. So, I mean, Ray has it with the hole in the 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 cave, right? So she descends into a hole that looks a lot like a vagina. <laughs> yeah. um, and she gets, she goes into the, the water, so re-entering the womb or the opposite of birth or, or death and there's a skeleton at the bottom of the water and she reemerges. um some people have said like this is the rebirth i think she's stuck in limbo of sorts and that's why like and, and it's it's i mean that scene is so eerie and she's like just trying to find who she is and she can't and she doesn't really get to the point of where she's really starting to grasp who she is until she lifts the rocks which if you really want to go with it i mean rocks are a symbol of moving from one life to the next um, uh, was it Korean culture? I know has those, the, the rock mm-hmm. formations for, I did not know about this, but that's interesting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know that one's I'm reaching, but so the really obvious one is Luke's rebirth. Well, okay. Look, look, which, you look at it this way. Like you don't like what we do know about Ryan Johnson is that he's American and that he would be familiar with yeah. like Judeo-Christian imagery. And like rolling away the stone from the tomb and rescuing people, like reviving them is that a very too. obvious thing. And he includes a, it's the first time this has ever happened in Star Wars is a direct quotation from the Christian Bible is in The Last Jedi. It is almost, it's like the, he changes one word and, uh, it's the weirdest. It's, it always, it kind of bugs me because it's so on the nose, but it's clear that he under, he like, where did he grow up again? Texas? I don't know whether he's like personally religious or not, but like, that's not my issue is like, he's, he, that kind of imagery is there. And it's this, it's a, more or less exactly what you're saying. So that strikes me as pretty plausible. Wait, which, well, which it's line? Snoke saying, well done. My good and faithful apprentice is, uh, it's from the parable of the talents. I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert, but, um, it's like a, it's a thing where like the idea is that like you, I think it's usually used to be like you, uh, you die and you meet your, you know, you go to meet your Lord and, and you're told, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. But it's like the, but it's like, it's from a, it's from a parable. It's like a story that Christ tells to. Oh, yeah. So, really? but it's not really, I, I don't think it's significant now. other than to my theory that he wrote this script really fast. And that a lot of the stuff that's in it is like, if it were had a co-writer it would have gotten changed, not the plot, but like the dialogue, which I think I still feel is like, if there's, if there's a weakness in the movie, it's it's a small weakness, but the characters do talk kind of samey to each other. It's not bad, but it's definitely like you hear a lot of Ryan's voice coming out a lot more than I think you would if it were like two people writing the script, for instance. Um, but that's like but part of the way that you do like writing, especially when you're banging something out, is like you fall back on the stuff you know, and you just have stuff like that in there because you're like, what else would he say? Okay, he says this. That's what I'm thinking of right now. But that's exactly that that kind of spontaneous thing even though it's not necessarily a lot of forethought put into it is what allows all this kind of unconscious stuff to get in there i think 
And so like the idea of like rolling away the stones from the tomb and, and giving new life to the people behind it who are trapped seems really obvious. It's, it doesn't see that's so interesting. Cause I feel like there's so much more, like a lot of this movie is just so like, I, I can't believe they got that into a film that's apparently meant for families. And I'm oh, not going to like go into the, that part of it, yeah. but I mean, even so, well, there's like, like I mean, I, I think I know what you mean. Like some of the, like kind of like, uh, I guess like vaguely, like, what would you say? Like menstrual imagery or something like that? Like, uh, men- menstrual with like the red and the, 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 like, as you said, like there's like the vaginal looking cave and stuff like that. And right. So, I mean, there's two, right? So it's, I mean, that's not the specific thing I'm talking about, but yeah. So there's the one that Ray goes down and then the one that Luke goes out of is like, Oh man, they didn't even try. So Luke's rebirth happens. So, and it's like a bloody rebirth, right? Because he walks out of this flaming, sorry, it's a vagina, like this like giant cannon that it's a phallic object, sorry, comes and blows a hole in this mine. And it's a giant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Event. Okay. Like, I mean, there's, there's nothing. It's, but anyway, so, I mean, it's, it's even more layered because as he's walking through the, you know, re- he's rebirthed through the, um, and, and I think this is a rebirth and not a death because it's, it's going out onto a wasteland. Yeah really that's totally bloody like you get the wide shot where he's walking through yeah, and it's, it's just it's covered like a bloody in, in not actual birth. blood but yeah like you could say it's like you know afterbirth or whatever uh yeah and, and credit to a tumblr account that's no longer on tumblr yeah. for picking that one up that's not mine but um and then uh, no and it's even more heavy-handed right because if he walks past look at the lights so all the lights in the mine look like crosses oh, i didn't notice that either and he walks right past one and out to face Kylo. And as he is, you know, basically atoning for his sins and coming back as the, you know, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely I mean, right. this you can reinterpret like how he's being rebirthed. I think you can interpret in several different ways, but yeah. I, and this is something that Ryan has talked about extensively, but this, this, how the, the, you know, blood for lack of a better word on the ground, it begins to be covered again in salt. And by the end of the it's battle, white, it's once all again, white. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's this. Yeah. And then he, yeah. And then he dies, right? And he literally dies. So you have Ray going through a metaphorical death. And then right after he literally dies, Ben experiences his metaphorical death, like Ray experienced hers, in terms of so he enters into the womb again, the opposite of of Which is birth. we all know is how you die. Yeah. And you know what's really <laughs> I'm interesting? Just we well, yeah, yeah, but just like the, the, how you know you you wanna because he goes into yeah, the womb, right? He's going to find his mother quite literally. So um, Yeah. And then he, but what he finds is that the symbol of his past, which Ray finds too. And which is, I think, and again, people can see this as a rebirth or I see this like a limbo state. I don't think Ben's been reborn yet. How Ray was, I think he's stuck now because when, when Ray right went into her rebirth moment, she found, um, or she, she was looking for a symbol of her past. And, and Ben also has that issue or the, I guess yeah, I mean, he has a symbol of his past in his hand, which fades away just as Ray. She thinks she has it, right? And then it, yeah. it it fades away. It's not actually her parents. And there's also another really interesting thing that it could be me reaching. But if you look when Kylo walks into the room where he mm-hmm. finds the dice, there are three crosses or three lights that look like three crosses, like the crucifixion behind him that like are they're right behind Hux. And it, they're framed perfectly in the shot. And it could be. Well, I mean, it's these <laughs> are it's, any it's, one of the things that we've mentioned between the two of us could just be like, oh, that's a cool visual idea. Any one of them could be uh, right. subconscious where like I approve that, like you don't know whether Ryan, uh, particularly as the as the writer and director was like, 
saying this is the way things should look. I think that's kind of a little bit unlikely, but it could be a decision made by the people who were addressing the set, although they probably didn't know what the scene was about. Exactly. Oh, I definitely think it's Ryan because of what yeah. he read. I mean, he read Bly. He read a lot of Young. He read so, a lot of Freud. Well, he mentioned Freud on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he went into this, but he's also like a kind of he's like a reader. He's like a person who reads books, and there's a lot of stuff that's probably going on <laughs> in the old uh, Ryan Johnson noggin. You know, you yeah. never know what is coming out is going to be. Um, it, but it doesn't matter because that's the same thing. That's how every kind of literary artifact is you don't know whether Shakespeare intended this thing to be what it seems like to you. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, Shakespeare right. Yeah. But I mean, obsessed. some of it has to be intentional and some <laughs> of it has to be coincidence, but you don't never you never really know. And you just do your best. And the, if you point it out and it's interesting right. and people get something out of it, you've contributed something. I don't really think it matters whether. Oh no, it doesn't. I mean, I think that's, what's so interesting about the last Jedi is like, I had to start looking at it. Like I looked at an Aronofsky film and or, or, you know, or, or something along those lines, right? Just because, oh my yeah, God, there's just so much in it on a level that's never been. Yeah, I mean, I, it, symbolically, I think, like, and I think it's because it is like more than any of the others. It was very much like an auteur type thing in a way, or more than yeah. that we're used to. Like, I think the ones that Lucas wrote and directed, yeah. uh, more or less on his own, um, are, uh, I, I just don't think that's where his brain was at that time. Like, I think that it was, he was, on a much tighter schedule trying to get those out. It was not an effortless experience like it was for Ryan to write the script. Um, I feel like that's anyway, like, so can we spend, we can spend five minutes and I think we're done here, but like, what is the, if, if Ray starts, yeah. the, she's going to, we presume she's going to restart the Jedi and she's going to have to take a stance on violence, <laughs> knowing that the wrong kind of violence can create a new space Hitler, right? Like if you go down, it's like saying like, doing something for the wrong reasons is like taking heroin <laughs> and you don't know whether you're going to be affected by it permanently or not. Um, how is she, what's the right thing for her to do? Like, what do you think is the true Jedi way oh, or. So I, I think I, I don't think she's going to look at this as much from the Jedi and as much as what she's learned through Kylo, which is really the point of Kylo's character for her story because he's, her foil, right? So she, he had a lot of actions and emotions that she suppressed inside of herself for, you know, her whole life. And so she saw what she could become in, in these, you know, extreme acts of violence. Well, okay, there's two different ways, right? So, so she's seen this, right? And she's learned from it. Like, that's, that's just basically the point of him to an extent, at least in her story. And, but also, uh, you know, a lot of that is, you know, how is she, she's either going to learn from that and become a more of a pacifist, if you will, or she'll integrate with that and, and, and learn from it. But kind of, it, you know, it really just depends what they do with the balance, whether it's going to become really a 50, 50 thing between them, or if it's going to become more, she really embodies more the light and he embodies more the dark. I don't know how they're exactly, because right now, right? Like she's, light with a little dark and he's dark with a little light. Like, I, I don't really know how they're going to end that. I think there's a few different ways they could go with it. So let's say um, she takes her first student and she has to, I don't know that this is going to happen and I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying like, if this ever happens, like, what is she going to tell them? Like, what, it, what do you say? Like what, like for instance, you've got the same, let's say it's the caretaker right on the caretaker village scenario, except it's real. Then what do you do? I mean, I don't, 
I, I can't really predict that, right? Because I don't think she knows. Like, she literally, in her own personal journey, right? Like, she just got to the point where she's admitted to herself that she's lied to herself her entire life. I, I don't... If, if we see anything with her with, like, you know, Jedi teaching, whatever, I think we're going to see it at the very, very, very yeah. end. And we may get a hint of where she's going, but I think a lot of Nine is going to be her developing, not only personally, like, how the hell do I deal with all this trauma because she's kept it locked up and now i mean i hope they do this because it's going to piss me off if she comes out like you know happy-go-lucky and like really plucky and i'm gonna be really mad because that just ruins her entire emotional arc up to i I don't think they're going to do that but i I want some understanding that she has to deal with this and then also yeah how is she carrying that forward in this responsibility of being a jedi and i think that's what the majority of the film is going to depend on and i i honestly don't know that because it depends how they develop yeah if she has like her own poe dameron moment like let's say that she's got it's like the caretaker village scenario and she goes and kills the raiders and then says all right i did it and then she leaves and then she comes back later to pick up some stuff that she forgot or whatever and she finds out that the raiders came back of like greater numbers and they like burned the whole village down is what she did the right thing and is what lesson does she learn from that? And what lesson was Luke trying to teach her when he, you know, like it's kind of, this is why I feel like the, the kind of the, the, this is something that the movies can dance around. I don't know if they ever get to answer the question because at the end of the day, you're making a movie and you want people to feel like they've seen something fun and, and adventurous and heroic. And it's, it's, and that's part of why I think the reaction to last Jedi was so mixed. I don't know whether how mixed it was, but I think there's a lot of people reacted, including myself kind of, I think I reacted a little bit, was a little bit off putting by like how much of the movie is, is spent sort of pulling the rug out from under you. It's and, not fun. Yeah. You can say it. Oh, it's not I, a fun I don't know about that. Like, oh, I have no fun. And it's like, it's my favorite one. I just, it's a very emotional. I I find that what, uh, I just like it that like people want things and they change and they learn things and stuff happens. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. what I like about it. But I also recognize that I don't think you get to do this trick again. I don't think you get to make another star Wars movie where everything everybody does is a mistake. I think that's, yeah, oh, it's you been shouldn't. done. Yeah, I mean, I, th- this so, needs to happen. But you can have... Um, yeah, because you, you, you... Oh, just like... I mean, the, the point of the sequel trilogy, and this doesn't um, come from me, this comes from God, a lot of people. Um, a YouTuber by Wayward Jedi has a lot of really good videos about it, but um, like th- this is just a general discourse. But uh, the point of the sequel trilogy really is to look at... Because like really the Skywalker saga in my mind hmm. is Anakin. Right? Like, it, it, all we're doing is finding Anakin's story and following the Force as it attempts to deal with everything that Anakin does. Um, and so, basically, how this is going to end is it has to end with reversing whatever Anakin screwed up. I mean, this is the whole, like, reverse Anakin theory with Kylo. Like, again, this is like, this has been around for like two years. I'm not saying anything new. But so. When you have ideas of crap, what, <laughs> I went off on the tangent. Was uh, I, was just, I was just thinking, like, what is if you can look at what you know about the movies as they've been so far, and if you can kind of oh, melt right, this right, down right, and yeah, say, like, okay, failure, what is the correct so, like, what is the correct yeah. usage of violence as a Jedi, recognizing that Jedi as people with special powers have different responsibilities, perhaps, than the average person. So. Right. But like, yeah. So, I mean, the the idea of looking at the failures is now you have to come full circle with like what happened in the PT, what was continued in the OT, 
And then what are we going to take from it and learn from it and change in the sequel trilogy? And that has to come now. And it, it, yeah, it shouldn't be repeated. Um, and I think, I think in terms of the pacifism part, I mean, whatever's happening in the prequel trilogy, I think is being reversed in the sequel trilogy. So not only the Anakin thing, but you know, the, the clone troopers are like a whole other. Yeah, but they, they made sure that my favorite topic. Yeah. They made sure that the, um, that like, I mean, one reason why they had to mention that, why, you know, they had that little quip about like, why don't you use the clone army in, the force awakens, I think is a practical concern because they have to explain that not everybody right. who takes off their helmet is going to look like Finn because people who are just like Joe key popcorn doesn't know that. Um, they went back and forth so that's many right. times on whether the actual stormtroopers were clones until they finally realized, Oh wait, they have different voices and they have different sizes and that's ridiculous and they can't possibly be, but you know, I'm glad that's gone. But, um, but yeah, no, they're like, no. And, yeah. and they also reconnect it like, no, this is evil. They're having their humanity stripped from them. And that's like why it's so cool. This why I like the awakening metaphor for for that movie is that it's like the awakening of both like you know the force and it's reasserting itself in the galaxy, but it's also like you know the the, the conscience like of Finn's humanity. He's like, I'm not going to be a party to this. Like, I don't care what I've learned my entire life. I know realistically that if you're brainwashed, you're brainwashed. It's not, you're not going to have that like crisis of conscience. But it's a movie, so we want him to have that and. He's, you know, it's kind of like, I can't like, this is, this is bad. Like, I can't do this. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to get out of here. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to kill people. I don't care what they say. Like, and that's, it's like, he's just. Well, the thing with, the thing with Finn, right, is he breaks his conditioning. So like, just really quick on the thing with like the reverse of the clone troopers is that you have, you know, the clone troopers thinking that they're relatively free and then realizing with the chip, oh crap, we're not. And then there's that terrifying, um, like three episodes in season six of the Clone Wars that goes over it. Um, and then with the storm, tro- the ST stormtroopers, we have them beginning as brainwashed as children. And then Finn is the first one to break out of it. But I think there's going to be, there, there's gotta be a clone tro- or a stormtrooper rebellion in the next one. And they're going to, that would be, the they got so close to doing it in this one too. Right. Cause Finn was going to like, which is why I think they cut it out. Cause I think they're uh, going to like, and I'm not the only person to say this, but yeah. yeah, but no, leaving it in would make it better because you don't see what happens next. Like she just Maybe. shoots them all down and like shows like, no, I'm a horrible, horrible person. I do horrible things. But it also like yeah. kind of suggests that like there's there's a possibility here that like to lead by example. But yeah, I mean, I think it was cut out mostly, I'm guessing, because the movie was already very, very long. And I don't know, but it's also an alternative scene, right? Like I like that scene a lot better. I think, oh my God, the, the visual when Finn falls into the body of stormtroopers. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like it too. I do like, I, the reason why I would have cut it is cause it's just, there's too much happening and it's, um, it's That's like, fair. you gotta, you gotta choose how many, how much there's so much happening at that point in the movie. The movie is like an overstuffed chair of, of drama and stuff. And it's just like, it's just too much. Now you masters of war You that build all of the guns So thank you so much, Katie. I think we're going to end it. And uh, have a great trip wherever you're going. And I know you said you had to take an early flight. Yeah, I'm going back. I'm going back to my job. and then I'm Oh, you have? I thought you already moved. No, it's been delayed. So I'm, okay. I'm moving like well, Labor Day. Congratulations on that. You're going to... I remember when I moved uh, to New York City, it was a similar situation, except I didn't have a job yet. So I was moving with like just like 500 bucks in my pocket, like an oh, idiot. Oh, like yikes. An idiot. That's, 
sense. Uh, it, was the, it was the stupidest, the best idea I ever had. It worked out great, but it's okay, like cool. you're doing it like a way better way. Yeah. And uh, Miami's super cool. It's it's hotter than a crotch, but it's yeah, it's, I love uh, it's it's fun. And you know, enjoy it now because it'll be underwater like in 20 years. So <laughs> so have a have a great trip. Get some rest. And thank you again. This was so much fun. So until next time. So long, sucker. <laughs> my world I get your little toy Put a gun in my hand And you hide from my eyes And turn and run farther on the fast Bullets fly Let me ask you one question Is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? I think you'll find When your death takes its toll All the money you made Will never buy back your soul